And welcome once again to another episode of Living the Past. We're in July 1996. It is Blockbuster Movie Month. It is the summer in America and winter in Australia. Also, my birthday month, so you know, best month of the year. Happy birthday, Paul. <laughs> It's my flex. Um, that is Ben. I am Paul. Uh, look, we got a lot of stuff to get through. Like, I, I almost, I've said this a couple of times, the movie section could have its own episode. Like, there are some movies that we're going to talk about today that are so weird. Like, I, and for the first time ever, I have got a, a, a waiting rating. Like, I have not rated this movie yet because I'm still not 100% sure on uh, how to I- go. I saw that. I looked up what you'd watch because I was trying to watch some different things to you. So I looked and was like, it says you've watched it, but you haven't. You haven't yeah. It. Yeah. Because oh. I, I, that movie confuses me and I want to talk about it. And then okay. maybe after that, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get a rating in. Um, I, I can help you out. <laughs> did you watch it? Well, we'll have to get Why to not? the film section and see. All right, so um, but we also got a whole bunch of other stuff. We got a bunch of news to get through. Um, big sports month because we got the Olympics, um, and a fairly a fairly solid music music month as well. So let's let's not let's not dilly dally. That's my new word for today. Uh, let's get into living in the now. All right, so if this is your first ever. Um, Living the past. Congratulations. You, because you're going to hear about Kazam today. Um, <laughs> uh, but we're also, this is the, this is the, the part of the movie, uh, movie, the episode where we just get all of the uh, current day stuff out of our system, stuff that we've been watching that's not through with the 90s. Um, and then we'll get back into it. So it's just like a couple of, couple of minutes of chit chat. Uh, but I, you know what? I haven't been doing stuff, a lot of stuff that isn't 90s related. It's uh, Have you not? started only murders in the building yet i still haven't done the second series of that oh huh. it's not that i didn't like it it's just that i'm really in the mood for it yeah i we started it uh a few nights ago not particularly in the mood it was like ah, oh, the first one's 40 minutes we've got about that sort of time and this Let's is the thing watch it. this is the thing uh a lot of these shoes are sucking me in bear i'm looking at you um for like they got a nice sweet 20, 20 25 minute 28 minute runtime and then yep. a couple of like seasons like oh we'll start doing 35 40 minute episodes this is not the original that we started off with bear uh look if there's the odd one my i would take greater issue with shows like mandalorian where, Did the same thing yeah yeah you know you might have a 28 minute and then suddenly you've got 55 excuse me i have been i have been watching uh, ahsoka um because i caught a ashoka the other day and another Star Wars person um, gave me a bit of a grilling. So Ahsoka, <laughs> like I can't, I can't not pronounce the sh in the uh, name. Um, but that's just fine. Like just I like Ayoshka. Ayoshka. Um, that was fine. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I just, um, I just don't have a lot. How did How did you feel about the cat in Watcher's first Ghost File? So obviously, uh, we have. We've mentioned before the BuzzFeed Unsolved Boys Watcher Ghost Files Mystery Files. Yeah. Latest Ghost Files episode came out. They've done the debrief. There is some quote unquote evidence 
of some glowing eyes, which is clearly, clearly a ghost some dog. sort of cat. Ghost dog, yeah. It's no, I think a it's like <laughs> or some sort of animal. Yeah, it's an animal. Yeah, I mean that's that whole thing is like I know like I've I've seen a lot of people like having a golden for it being so long, and I'm like, look, I I get that people is is a lot different, but then if it was too short too, I don't, I don't know whether they're hitting their their sweet spot. I don't know if it should go for an hour, but it also shouldn't go for half an hour. So maybe like yeah, aim for that sweet forty five minutes. Um, this is a I guess because I'm a bit differently invested in this than mandalorian where i just wanted it to be over so we had the answer but i think they can be more fluid in their length like i guess like we are you know if the episode validates being longer if you've got good evidence if there's good banter yeah make it longer yeah don't force out 40 minutes or an hour just because you think that's what it should be like our may episode that just (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know you're talking about uh but i've also seen because i'm in that into that um Inguli, we trust um, him and Paul Rust are doing The Shining at the moment. There's this big book like of like facts and stuff, and they're doing a lot of um, live streams and, and video uh, podcasting. And a lot of people are going, oh, no, they need to like be, do different movies every week like they usually do. And I'm like, you don't have to listen or watch. <laughs> like the same with Watchers. Like, if you don't like it, like you don't have to hold them to like a – I suppose – Everything, everyone should be held to like accountable to like to their art sort of thing. But it's like if you don't like it, then just fucking don't watch it. But yeah. I don't, I don't see the point in like going, taking the effort to go online and going. I don't agree with what they're doing this season. It's like, well, wait till next season. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's it. I've never been one to like. I'll talk about it with my friends if it comes up in conversations. But I've never been one to like go online and go. I am going to put my opinion out about something that I have. No idea of the inner workings of and why they chose to do their decisions and lots of stuff. It just seems insane to me. But you see, the modern world, if you get enough people rallying behind you and agreeing with you, then people if, if people are doing it for the fans and for the money, they'll be like, okay, I guess we need to give people what they want. If they're not, and they're purely doing it for themselves, then they can ignore that stuff. But, you know, if someone's like, hey, we don't want to watch this anymore, this isn't what we want, you should change it or your losers, then, you know, peer pressure. Yeah, I've noticed it's just like, if someone did, I'll be like, well, you know, maybe it's just, you know, I, I, I see an evolution in a lot of things. So it's like, if you can see it in this podcast, like if you listen to a 1990 episode and listen to an episode now, it's a quite a different thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's quite different. So, I mean, you know, things evolve and things sort of change, not stuff, I don't know. Um, in saying all that, I also watched the movie 65 with Adam Driver and he is a sexy beast. So that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and that one, that also got a lot of crap online. And I got like, it's Adam Driver fighting dinosaurs for an, and it, I, I respect the fact that it was like a 94 minute runtime. They knew when to leave and they did well. Yeah. Um, so I recommend it's 65. It's on uh, binge. Give it a go. It is a great, it actually nearly reminds me of a 90s movie. One of those ones that, like, you go to the video store and you don't know what to pick, but you'll see Adam Driver on the front of it, and it's like, oh, I'll just grab that. I know it's going to be quality. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> it's not... it's the, you, you, the video store wouldn't have, like, 20 copies of it. They might have, like, you know, a good eight. You know, it's not it's not going to... It's not a blockbuster, but it'll, it'll get you through. Yeah. All right, we're going to go back into the 90s now. <laughs>
the events of July 1996, of which there were many. Uh, look, I'm going to sort of run through a bunch of them. Um, I really like, uh, we don't really sort of hear a lot about stuff, stories coming out of India. Um, but I really wanted to make a, because this happened, I think, a couple of years ago too, where they're, they're really, at the time, we're moving away from like the... Um, Anglicanized, like, uh, like from when the English were settling them and 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 had um, like the colonial colonial time sort of thing. So there was a there was a city called Madras, which a lot of people would associate with like an Indian cuisine, like beef Madras. Lots of it's it's, it's a dish, but that was actually changed to Chennai, um, which is a more traditional Indian name. Which you know, any time that I see the English being replaced by something else. Oh, love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can almost, I always want to think of like an old, you know, these old colonial Englishmen with the pith helmet and a, yeah. and a, like, a, a, like a moustache and just like a, uh, and a pipe that are like, oh no, Madras has fallen. Yeah. So, yeah. And he's I'll got one of the, uh, an old musket on his wall. <laughs> yes. That his granddad had on his wall. Oh, man. I just, uh, I love it. Um, uh, euthanasia was um, uh, legalized in the Northern Territory, uh, the first Australian uh, state or territory to do so. Uh, so that basically, it was uh, they had the right to have the conversation about how they wanted to end their life if they want, if they were in a situation where um, they were terminally ill. Um, so I did not was, know that. Obviously, um, now I think it's there's like most states have adopted that in some form. I won't go into like the. <laughs> I think there's a lot of um, caveats and lots of stuff, but um, at, the, at this stage, I think. All states have got that. But Northern Territory were the first ones to do that. Um, Dolly the Sheep was created in a lab. Um, I don't know if you remember this. It was a big thing in my house. Yes. I don't know why. It was just like, not in my house, but like in, in the time, like everyone was talking about this fucking sheep. Yeah. And um, it's all about, uh, it was a cell taken from a mammary gland um, and built in a lab. Uh, and the sheep would end up living for six and a half years. This came up in conversation with my mum uh, two weeks ago. I, I don't know how or why. Look, it, it, I'm thinking anyone irrelevant. who lived in the UK in that time, the the the, 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 the few things that are going to be burning in their heads is mad, mad cow disease and Dolly the sheep. <laughs> it was definitely somewhere along the lines of things that shouldn't have happened and things that, you know, are bad. Maybe you that could. Was, that was I mean, I wasn't there, so maybe you could like relay the conversation that you had in that accent that she has. <laughs> uh no I, I i don't know what you mean no, Damn it. um i like i like it when ben does the, his his mum's accent not today Damn it. uh we'll get into more of like the actual uh sport in your sports section but uh the, Good idea. the, the <laughs> The Olympics started in Atlanta, uh, Georgia, in America, uh, but it would be overshadowed by the Centennial Park, um, Centennial Olympic Park bombing. Um, I've recently just listened to a Dollop podcast episode about the Richard Jewell, who was, um, and there's there's actually a, a Clint Eastwood movie called Richard Jewell, which is actually actually not bad. Like I know. For me, anyway, I know for a lot of people go, oh, Eastwood, cool. I see Eastwood and go, hmm. Uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, he was um, a security guard. That was um, he was the one that sort of found the bomb and helped dismantle it. Was very, very much active in the uh, investigation. But then uh, he had a couple of shady sort of um, associates who were like, and he was look, he might have been. Not the smartest 
sharpest tool in the shed sort of thing. So I think a lot of people took advantage of him. Did he, um, plant, the, did he plant the bomb as well? He did not. No, so he was actually found. Def- uh, definitely? Yeah, he was found not okay. guilty. They actually did find the guy who did it. Um, but way, way, like this went on for years. Um, Richard Jewell's actually dead now. He um, had a, he, I think he had a heart attack, but um, he was exonerated of everything. But it, it took like his, him and his mum, uh, his mum was played by uh, um, oh, Misery. The um, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates, yeah. He, he, she plays his mum in the movie and she's brilliant. Uh, Always. So I, yeah. And um, if you ever sort of looked into it, yeah, it's, it's, it's basically it was a far-right extremist um, who uh, bombed it and they, they eventually uh, caught him. Um, <laughs> the, the funniest thing is that, well, not the funniest thing, but so <laughs> the reason that, Richard found the bomb was because uh, he had had something to eat that morning that didn't agree with him. So he had had really bad diarrhea. (laughs) So the reason he was coming back at that exact time to see the bag underneath the bench um, that was containing the bomb was because of diarrhea. And look, I don't think Uh, that should be overlooked. No, it should not. (laughs) Um, but yeah, if you ever get a chance, the, the movie is quite good, and that um, that episode from the Dolph was was really good too. So. Is it as good as the film Munich? I've never seen Munich, so I will not know. Soon, <laughs> soon. Uh, I keep I, I hear it's good. Oh, it is. We'll get to it. Don't you worry. Um, Hotmail launched in 1996. Who would have thunk it? You know how oddly timing this is. Last week, I asked everyone at work what their first Hotmail address was. Because you know everyone's first email address is very embarrassing, and you're going to tell me yours right now. I I can't even remember. I think it was. You know yeah. what? No, I do. Oh, is it the one that I know? It's the one to do with my one of my yeah. first bands, Da Union. Da Union. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> da Union. Uh, was it two thousand? DA Union 2002. Because I was in a band called Standard Union, and we started in 2002, and that was going to be our official. Uh, account oh. and then we didn't do anything. <laughs> oh, no. So then you just kept it as a personal account because it was it because best. because it was easy and I was not I was not I, I'm not a tech head like I'm I'm very I'm still not great at like you don't have to be a tech head to sign up to a new Hotmail account. Just so yeah, but know. like I was just like I think at the time I was just you know I I just thought oh well this this will be fine um, until I got told by someone i think it was like a potential employer saying like you should not have a hotmail account as your contact details everyone got told that leaving high school and then everyone went and got a gmail account yeah and then with about four years later everyone debunked their gmail account because why do i have a gmail account i've got four god <laughs> uh, it's mine, the easiest one just just so you know mine was not embarrassing at all it was just my name and birthday oh uh, well okay yeah very, very unimaginative. Very did you hear? Did you hear any good ones at your work? I did. Uh, I don't know if I can say them out. Well, I guess you don't know the the people's names. One was Ice Coffee Girl. That could have uh, been me. One. <laughs> I was an Ice Coffee Boy. <laughs> uh, one weirdly was Greyhound Hottie. Okay. Just love greyhounds. Yeah, but um, that, that would make me think. Okay. Yep. That that she runs a lot. Well, also that she finds Greyhounds hot. How would, how would you get there? Oh, disgusting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, uh, there was another one that was um, 
Subwoofer. Nice. XOXO, I'm pretty sure. Some good they're ones. On, they're on a list somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Charles and Diana finally signed the divorce papers so he could continue to have weird conversations <laughs> with Camilla over the phone about women's sanitary products. <laughs> just, just conversations, that was all. <laughs> Such a polite uh, gentleman. I just I can't believe how long this is um this is dragging out and like the the queen this is when the queen was still chip chip chipping into conversations like she she um she was like saying like oh I'm just you know glad it's over and this has been a, a, a terrible year for the the royal family and lots of stuff and so like just shut up seriously like yeah your son is a fucking monster um talk about monsters uh yes. the uh um killer in the uh Blangalo state forest murders of whose name i will not say uh was sentenced for his crimes uh he got seven life sentences um and an additional term for um the attack he made on the um remember we talked about how like the person who rang through the cops and said oh i had this weird experience yeah, yeah he, he he got a, a term for that as well um nice. so um and he would also end up uh, dying in prison. So, yeah. oh well. All done. We can not talk about that anymore. Yeah. Uh, Until the TV movies start, I guess. There's already been a couple. So, um, the Governor General of Australia at the time uh, came out with a statement because there was a lot of. there was the, This is the early talks about um, saying sorry for the stolen generation. Um, at, like, also, firstly, just recognizing that there was a stolen generation of, uh, of Aboriginal Australians um, and that there should, there needs to be some type of reconciliation. The governor general came out and didn't say this. Like I, I read it as like, I firstly read it as. Which that you, as well, if, if you aren't aware of the stolen generation, if you haven't heard that before, uh, a quick little Google. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. They were just stealing children essentially. And trying to like, um yeah, realign them into uh, white Australian life. Um, so the governor, governor general at the time, and I, I first read this as like, oh, was he being sort of glib about it? But he was actually saying, um, he said, unless the quality of life for Aboriginal youth is improved dramatically, that we shouldn't even be thinking about reconciliation with them until well into like the next century, which would be um, in the 2000s. Now, um, do you think he's meaning that they need to improve it themselves? Or no, we no, need we need that. Like, yeah, and that's, that's so like my, and like, you know, I've got like, you know, and most of us do have like a, uh, whenever a government official speak a white government special official speaks about aboriginals i take it with a grain of salt but like i read into it yeah. and he, he was saying that like we we're not at a point like if we did it now it would just be lip service we actually don't we can't just say we're gonna um we're gonna reconcile and 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 um say sorry and all that stuff until we actually make it better for them as well uh yeah. okay which they still haven't done <laughs> let's nope. be and let's be honest um so uh, this, this, it was just, it, look, it was, it's one of these ones where like, I was, it didn't get much press at the time, but as I was like sort of doing some of the research of, the, of Australian news at the time, like it, it did come up a few times and I wanted to, you know, there were people, um, no matter, you know, obviously didn't do enough, but we're, we're still saying the words of like, we need to do something about this. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, this is at a time where we just voted in a liberal government who would make it 10 times worse <laughs> for, for, for years to come. So, uh, 
Yeah, and it's like this is also the time of uh, Pauline Hanson. It was always on, always on her rise up in Queensland as well. So like, yeah, I found it good to hear that there was like at least a couple of people saying, "Look, where this this needs to be done before we can even start thinking about you know truly meaning." If only they'd done it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I won't I won't end on a bummer on that one. I've I want to end with um something that I didn't know. Uh, was so we 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 record this in in um, Adelaide, um, and I ne- I never knew that up until 1996 that Wheel of Fortune was filmed in Adelaide. Ah, I did not know that. Yeah, so yeah. Um, which I'm I'm sure like thinking about it now, if you got selected to go on <laughs> Wheel of Fortune and they're like, all right, we'll fly you to Adelaide. I'm sure that takes a bit of the sheen off. <laughs> like, yeah. I, thought was, I thought I was going to Sydney. Um, so they they did a complete revamp because apparently, like a lot of people were sort of getting sick of Wheel of Fortune. Uh, John Burgess was do you remember Burjo? He Oh, do I? <laughs> so he was he was the host, and uh, he was not told <laughs> that they're changing anything. And he basically he recorded his last week of shows, and then he was out playing golf with a production assistant from the from Reg Grundy, the the TV the the company that that does Wheel of Fortune. And this guy yeah. got a phone call, and he said, oh, "I'll go go back to it." And Tony's like, "Well, should I come too?" And they're like, "Nah, <laughs> you can stay here because you're fired." Which is look, it's not funny. But I also don't like John Burgess. My dad hated him. I don't know what John Burgess did to him in the past life, but my dad hated John Burgess. So, like, we got. No I'm sure, like, if you're out playing golf, probably at a very nice course. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you're doing right. You're getting fired. Oh uh, no, uh, golfing. So yeah. I, I had, I had a little bit of a look into this, and uh, he, he landed didn't... on his feet. <laughs> Eventually. He did not take this lightly, uh, and if you, if, if I think if you look at his like, he already released a, an autobiography. I think it's a, there's a good chunk about how he was wronged by Channel Seven. Um, he comes from that real seventies, uh, eighties like uh, privileged uh, white actor of like they can't do this to me. I'm the face of this program. It's like you're oh, yeah. on four thirty on at Channel Seven on like each weekday. Like no one gives a shit. He got replaced by Tony Barber, who people didn't, who people didn't like. He was a, he was the used to be the host of Sale Century, um, and Adriana Exenides, um was there, and she actually was there until two thousand and six, I think maybe even longer. He's just actually the, the, she's in the Guinness Book of Records for the longest running uh, wow. game show uh, host co-host guy. co-host. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I found that pretty interesting that there was it was yeah. filmed in Adelaide. So let's go on to sport. It is Olympic time. It is. And I am not going to waste my breath on any other sports that may or may not have been happening in July of 1996. Oh, who gives a shit? I can't imagine there would have been what many. I feel was, like the world can stops. you remember a bit of a trivia thing? Do you, what was the mascot? Uh, a flame? I don't know. Um, it was weird. I remember being weird. You, you, you go on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up. You, okay. You, I've probably got that somewhere in my 80 tabs that I've opened up for the Olympics, <laughs> but that's fine. You, you do it. Um, 
I, I don't know <laughs> if there's any sort of controversy within the the opening ceremony. So we'll start with the opening ceremony because that's okay. where the Olympics start. They did a bit of a uh, nod to the American Civil War. Mm. Um, <laughs> and because it's Atlanta, like the South, obviously it's not like, oh, yeah, back in the old days. But I, I wasn't there. I feel like it's a weird, it's a weird <laughs> thing to, to, to be bringing up, even acknowledging. Um, in a predominant, okay. And also in a state that's kind of, I mean, I don't know if it's like full South, but it's down South. Yeah. That seems a little poor taste. That's that's what I thought. Um, more importantly, our friend John Williams. You know John Williams? Uh, the yeah, I was made to listen to him quite a lot when I was I was living with my brother-in-law. Not that, that John Williams. I thought you meant Hatred, Hatred Blue. Oh, that's John Williams' son. No, the, the composer, John Williams. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. I know him, yeah. He did the official overture for the 96 Olympics. Come on, so Summon the heroes. Summon the heroes. Um, David Foster, who no one is that big a fan of, also had a, a song called The Power of Dream. <laughs> yeah. Um, the mascot was called Izzy. Okay. And it is just a blue sort of, I don't know, thing. Um, <laughs> it's called, named after the short term for what is it? What is it? It's an alien. <laughs> is it an alien? Apparently. I don't know. Keep going. I'm going to oh, yeah. I remember I remember this guy. I guess, you know, around the time of, of Microsoft and Clippy and oh, cartoons. Yeah. Yep. Rayman. It all fits in. Okay. Pretty weird and dumb. But it, it does look like the assistant that helps you. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really, really does. Cool. Um, all right, so the sports that were happening at the Olympics, um, there's not too many. I run so through it. Starts with, it starts with, it doesn't it get broken up into swimming one week and then track and field the next? Isn't that the the way it's sort of... Track and field is usually towards the end. So yeah. like the 100 meter sprint is everyone's thing, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Everyone loves that. It's the best. So that is usually like the highlight, say the best or last. Um, so, uh, there's the aquatic section, obviously swimming, diving, synchronized swimming, water polo, uh, nice. and then athletic in the, the fieldy stuff at archery There's the full rundown of athletics. I'm not going to go through every single thing they do on a track, uh, badminton, baseball, basketball, boxing, canoeing, uh, cycling, uh, there was four, three types of cycling, uh, equestrian that no one wants to talk about. I don't know why it's that's in the Olympics. Such a, like, okay, it's such a like. If you, are you an Olympics fan? Yeah, it's so stupid. It yeah. bankrupts countries. Yeah, <laughs> and it proves nothing. Like I, I have never, I've never been a huge Olympics fan. Winter Olympics, I don't know, and I know that that's like really, you know, <laughs> doesn't make, <laughs> doesn't any, doesn't make sense any sense. Like one or not the other, but yeah, know, yeah, but winter like, is more fun. Yeah, um, I don't know. Like, it's just I like just just what you have to go through to get it, and then when they get it, it's like ah, oh, it 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 rarely works out well for the city that's got it. No, um, even dumber than that. Let's take a second to think about equestrian. Hmm. People win medals for making horses <laughs> do things. Or you're you're just sitting on the horse. 
and I know you're not just sitting there like you've you've got to stay on there for a start and you've got to make it do whatever it does. Yeah. How is that a sport? How do you get a medal for what the horse does? It'd be more interesting to get the horse to like tell the human what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that um, Athens nearly got it? Athens was in, in the running for it. And they, they were like, yeah. like, and Melbourne was in the running for it too. It, it'll come. Okay. Give it time. All right. Athens was, oh, was it 04? Sure. I don't know. They, they get it soon. Um, and it did not go well for them. Um, <laughs> so we had fencing, field hockey, football, yeah? gymnastics, artistic and rhythmic, handball, classic. I don't know why it's still in there, but I love it. Judo, modern pentathlon. Rowing. What was the, isn't there usually like two weird events that they include, including like for the, the host city like gets to pick like for one, one time it was like volleyball or something. And the, uh, like you know, like they put extreme sports as like BMX riding for one, one year or like skateboarding. Was that maybe baseball? I don't know, but yeah, they, they usually sort of um, add, add in some like sort of exhibition sports of just like, oh, it's kind of that's kind of weird. <laughs> that that could have been baseball or softball. I haven't, I didn't look into how long they'd been in it before. Okay. Um, but yeah, softball was one. Shooting, table tennis, actual tennis, volleyball, um, indoor and beach, weightlifting and wrestling. Which okay. I have to point out because they had freestyle wrestling. Don't know what that means, but they also had Greco-Roman Style. wrestling. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, you know what that means? Slappy. <laughs> I don't know, but it sounds. Sexy. <laughs> um. So, how did Australia do? Was it? Does it finish in um in August, or is it? Look, it up? Technically, it finishes in August, but we're not going to wait that long because I'm no. We're not going to give me the, give me the final medal count. No. Oh. <laughs> no okay. Uh, so right. speaking of your friend Australia, mm-hmm. the men's flying 200 meter time trial, mm-hmm. that is a cycling event. Okay. I didn't know that. Uh, Olympic record was set by Gary Newwind. Newwind. Newwind? Newwind. I don't know. I'm sure there was a Michael Johnson one. Maybe there wasn't. No. It's Michael Jordan. You don't know what sports is. Shut your mouth. Uh, Johnson. How about this? So Australia again. <laughs> we had an Olympic record in the swimming. Yep. Was this Kieran? No, it wasn't. Ah, yeah, some dude called Scott Miller. Ne- Scott. Never, never heard of him. Do you like Klim? <laughs> that's that's what I mean. Like we we know swimmers from the nineties, Australian swimmers. Like <laughs> that know, was... I know two. <laughs> Uh, Perkins, Klim, Thorpe wasn't around yet. Was Hackett around yet? I don't know. I don't know. Well, there's a few, but still, none of them. No. Um. Yeah. So this is where I was getting to. Michael Johnson, the 200 mm. meter and the 400 meter. Uh, 200 meter was a world record, 19.32, and the 400 meter was an Olympic record, 43.49. Cool. I, don't know I remember that's... watching these as a kid and going, right. "I don't think Michael Johnson." That guy's fast. <laughs> that was incredible. I remember uh, watching it and going, fucking show off. <laughs> no, you didn't. You weren't watching sports. <laughs> Maybe I was. You were in your bedroom playing Phantom Magorzorium, whatever it was. 
um, <laughs> another highlight was a Canadian won the hundred meter oh. and set a world record at the time. What's his name? Bailey. Donovan Bailey. Oh, that's a good name. Yeah, I remember that guy. That was nine point eight four. If I need to find a new identity, Donovan I think my first name's gonna be Donovan. No, not Bailey. I can't. Well, I can't just do be him. People are going to know. <laughs> like, you're not Donovan Bailey. <laughs> you can barely stand. <laughs> You've really let yourself go since that record, huh? <laughs> oh, God. Which is fair. I mean... The years, the years have not been climbed to Donovan. You're not going to get any quicker, are you? No, I'm going to be Donovan Brayley. But people will put... The, <laughs> nah, because people... And people will go like, Oh, you mean that? And I'm like, oh, no, no, it's Brayley, not Bailey. There's an R in there. And it'll be a conversation starter. <laughs> because everyone knows that Donovan Bailey broke the record in 1996. Yeah. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, don't start talking about the record. It's not me. I'm Brayley, not And Bailey. I'll be your friend, Michael Jawson. <laughs> He's yeah. fast, but not that fast. All right. We're going to go. All right. On. So you want a medal tally? Yes. At 10th place, with 27 medals total, was South Korea. Nice. They took home 7, 15, and 5. Uh, gold, silver, bronze. Obviously, I'm not going to say that every time. Uh, Ukraine came in at 9th with 23 total. This is what I hate about totals. It's just, I hate the way the Olympics works. But they had 9, 12, and 2. As do I. So, really, it, it doesn't really matter how many silver or bronze you win. Just gold. Just give me the golds. Okay. Cuba uh, had 9 gold. Australia also had 9 gold. Ooh. But had more silver and bronze than Cuba. Doesn't matter. Bullshit. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> it does matter. Um, I guess it's like a tiebreak system. I don't know. Uh, Italy came in at sixth with thirteen. It's not too bad for Italy. Yeah. I'd like to know where they won those thirteen golds. Canoeing. There wasn't thirteen football events. Uh, France fifteen golds. I feel like oh. France always do pretty well at the Olympics. Not great, but you know. Better than I always imagined them to be because they're not a huge country. Okay. Uh, China came in at fourth with only 16 gold. Can I pick the one, two, three? Yeah, I don't know. So you were uh, saying who, number what, one. Who, who, no, that's not the order we're going in. Who's number three and how many golds? Uh, UK with, what was the last gold medal thing? Uh, China had 16. So UK with 20? Is, is, that, is that your answer? That's my answer, yeah. Okay, that is incorrect. Okay, Russia with 20. Nope. USA with 20. Nope. All right, I don't give a shit anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back to my uh, sports section. Donovan uh, Braley. Uh... <laughs> Germany came in at shit. third with 20 gold. Right. Uh, Russia came in second with 26 gold. Right. And our host nation, the United States of America, had 44. Where was the UK? Who's the UK? United Kingdom. Oh, the United Kingdom. Um, I don't think they were invited. Great Britain. They were busy robbing other countries while they went home. <laughs> <laughs> That's really uh, weird that they're not even in the top 10. 36. They had one gold. Wow. One. Isn't that disgusting? <laughs> and you know who it was? Who? Sir Stephen Redgrave and uh, his mate Matthew in the rowing. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I don't know if you know Stephen Redgrave. I do not know. Uh, he is, he's kind of like a, a I guess he's a British hero. Um, okay. He's won he got gold. the one gold in 96, he did. N not just that. He had gold at the 84, the 88, the 92, the 96, and the 2000. 
Oh, Redgrave's gold in my mind. How insane is that? That is your sports. That is your medal count. That is the Olympics. That is not as much as what happened that month, but I'm sure there's plenty of people that have done docos and deep dives on the 96 Olympics, but nope, there's a little the first. for you. <laughs> that was a deep dive. Moving on to <laughs> film. All right, so we're going to do this a little bit differently because there's so many movies on it. I'm just going to give like short. I don't, want to, I don't want to focus too long on the ones that don't need to be focused on, <laughs> if that makes right. any sense. Yeah. Uh, so Theodore Rex, I did not finish. I watched it on YouTube. It's terrible. It's about Whoopi Goldberg and a dinosaur teaming up. It, it sounds, it's criminal how bad this movie is when that's the setup to it. <laughs> Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg in, in a sort of a futuristic setting teaming up with a, uh, a dinosaur in a suit. Yeah, it's a shame. Solomon Grimes. Um, so yeah, no. Uh, I did not did not watch Harriet the Spy. Nor did I. Um, I watched Kazam today. Uh, in, <laughs> I will say that in comparison to other movies on this list, it is a lot better. But that's not. It's not a good movie, but it's better than a lot of the ones that I watched on this list. It's hard because it's not. It's not, it's not terrible. Yeah. And I look, there are some there are some very funny shack lines. And I just find the whole concept is kind of weird that there's a lamp store. <laughs> and Shaq is a genie. Um I'm okay with Shaq being a genie. I my issue with the film with is like why is the kid he doesn't make a wish? No. Like what are you doing? Like if even even just day to day without having a genie, you'd be like, man, I wish I was at home with a big bag of potato chips. But at no point does he just randomly say it or wish for something. Like, I wish that you would go away. That kid Like, is, he just refuses to say it. That kid is not great. <laughs> no, Shaq was great. Shaq can act. Shaq his, can rhyme. But also, also knowing that... <laughs> His mum in the movie is not great, and his dad is a complete piece of shit in the movie. I'm like, well, you know what? His mum's all right. Leave his mum alone. Um, His dad is a complete piece of shit, and I'm like, oh, you know what? He would probably be this if if that was his parents. He probably would be this person. (laughs) The real shit is like the group of six or seven, almost twenty year olds that seem to just constantly pick on him and bully him. Yeah, he goes. He he goes to a high school where well, he goes to a school. Where he is very, he looks very young. He looks like he's maybe ten. Maybe. Do you notice he's wearing the same clothes the whole time as well? Yeah. And then like the bullies in the school, uh, yeah, like they're like twenty-year-old, scary-looking gangbanger dudes. <laughs> like they're just like full on. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. If you want to see Shaq as a genie, it's it look, it's fine. Um, yeah, it's it's, okay. it's it's very much like every other kids movie in that time of. Um, it runs. It, it 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 does run like a little bit too long. I didn't watch the end of it. I had to have washing up. <laughs> you didn't miss much. <laughs> no, I didn't think so. But I also like the fact that uh, Starsky from Starsky and Hutch directed it. <laughs> there was. I was a bit sad, so I could kind of see the TV through the curtains while I was doing it. Yeah. And there was some like big flashes of lights. I was like, oh, what? What happened? What did I miss? And I came in and it was over. Did you get a flash of light and then you got suddenly smart? <laughs> yes. He, yes, I did. He, um, we'll get there. Uh, Multiplicity. Fuck that movie. 
<laughs> I was so I was looking. Cute. I almost got it because I was like, ah, dude, yeah, it's, this is fun. Is not. It is. It is gross. It is so yeah. gross, and I was not prepared. So I watched that and Theodore Rex, and I think one other really shit one, all in one afternoon. I was so angry because I was like. <laughs> This is not fun. This is not fun at all. <laughs> so, Multiplicity is a movie about. Um, we I could do an entire fucking episode on this movie. Um, Multiplicity is a movie about Michael Keaton. He's a construction worker who's uh, married to Andy McDowell, um, and they've got two kids. And he doesn't feel like he's got time to do anything or have any time to himself. Um, he basically down Wah. he downplays everything that his wife does for the kids and the family from the very start. He is prone to getting very angry very quickly, which is a huge red flag. So mm-hmm. he runs into this doctor who says, like, oh, I can clone you. So he clones him. And then the way we know that they're different clones is he puts a number two behind the ear because <laughs> that's this clone. Smart. Um, so what happens is, and it's not really explained, like, I did leave the room for one second. Hopefully it wasn't explained that bit. But, like, each time that he gets cloned, it sort of takes on a certain part of his of his personality. So, like, the first clone, number two, is, like, a workaholic, and he just basically goes and, like, does everything he needs to do at work. Um, but that's not enough for Michael Keaton. He needs another clone because he's still not getting enough time because his, his, his wife goes, oh, I'm going to go back to work too, and now you have to do some of the um, stuff with the kids. And he's like, oh, fuck that. So then they, <laughs> then they, then number three comes along. So number three, Michael Keaton, and he is. I'm just going to come out and say it. They make him gay because he is the stay-at-home dad that likes to do the cooking and the cleaning, lots of stuff, and he is very camp. And I took great offence to it, seeing as I was the stay-at-home parent in in our in my, me and my wife's uh, situation, and I felt like it's just the stupidest trope. And then they then they make a fourth one, who is just mentally defective, and calls the guy. <laughs> um, he calls the guy the wrong name, and then he has like a. I don't know. He wears like a helmet, and is just like. So are they cloning the clones, or are they cloning the original? So I for what, so okay, so for one of them, they clone the clones, which is why I think he t- he turned out like stupid. Yeah. Um. So the weirdest thing that happens though is like the big rule. There's the big rule is that you do oh. not sleep with his wife. There's a no no. But of guess course. what? He goes away on a trip with Julie Bowen and Brian Doyle Murray on a on a yacht. Okay, why not? <laughs> why not? And while he's away, all, all three all three of them in one night sleep with his wife. My God. Uh, the Does first she one. She- does she is she consenting to it? Does she want to? She consents to it, but I still find this uh, morally objective. Like, because they all knew. Like, it's like it's not. <laughs> you're not sort of lending her out to a buddy, but it's kind of weird. Like, it's weird. There's there's like a lot of com- implications here. Uh, like, but it's just a movie. It's just fun. No, it's not fun. <laughs> so <laughs> the first one she sleeps with is is number three, who's the the camp one, and um, she was. <laughs> Very happy with with what he was doing, and then she gets. Oh, this is like Goldilocks. She gets ravaged by the second one on the couch. Um, at one point, he's got his her her, her knickers around his neck, and I don't know what's going on with that. And then, um, the 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 fourth one, the stupid one, 
it gets caught out in the rain that same night and she takes him to the bathroom and she's drying him off and then she he obviously has an erection and he goes earth my pee pee and she grabs it <laughs> and she grabs it and then they, they go she goes and have sex with like a, a, a mentally incompetent Michael Keaton yeah. and I'm like this is not good this is gross and then um, <laughs> so yeah I, I gave it half a star and I look I love Michael Keaton I love Mr. Mum I love like a lot of his movies, but this is this was just hot. And maybe like, look, I don't know. I just I was really really shocked about how this could be a thing. How Ramus, who did who gave us like you know um, Groundhog Day, directed and wrote this. It's mm. just it's not great. And I just uh, there was a letterbox comment where they're like, I want to because at the end the three clones drive off down to Florida and open a pizza shop. But there's a comment on Letterbox. It's like, I want to see the sequel where Annie McDowell finds out and goes and it's, it's all about her hunting down the clones and murdering them. <laughs> <laughs> or Which, marrying all of them because they together yeah. are better than her husband ever was. Yeah. So look, if you, yeah, look, it, it was really not great. Walking and Talking, I didn't see. Uh, Fled, I really wanted to. I, I remember watching that. It was like another uh, late night, seven, seven, Is, seven, is that a Baldwin nine. Fishburne? Yeah, it's when movie? they're on the run. Yeah, it's it's a I think it's a remake of um of a an older movie. I think um, I remember watching it as a kid and being very amused when they said the word fled in it. <laughs> but no one says fled. I bet they have like a a diet version of Tommy Lee Jones's. Yeah, yeah, they would. Character, Probably yeah. Like, <laughs> like, we can't afford Tommy Lee Jones, but we'll get someone else. <laughs> uh, I didn't watch Adventures of Pinocchio. I watched Joe's Apartment. Um, that's the other thing movie I watched uh, on Saturday, and I was like completely, it's so stupid. And I'm I'm sure if you were stoned in the '90s, you would love this movie. But it's about singing cockroaches in a New York apartment and Jerry O'Connell, and uh. it's just it's it's one of those like like my wife is usually very supportive of everything I watch. Like she's just like oh you know she's she's a very positive person, and she's like yeah. I don't know I don't know how you can be watching this. <laughs> She's like, she's like, this is terrible. I'm like, I know. I said it's only it's only 84 minutes though, but man, you count every one of those minutes. <laughs> we yes. had a very similar moment last night. Um, <laughs> as much as uh, I do love her and she is very supportive, uh, Laura's not always as keen on watching 90s films. <laughs> and I often watch them in the other room. Um, but I said, uh, a time to kill with Judd and Jackson or the crow. City of Angels, oh, and then I looked at the runtime. Oh yeah, it was 149 minutes, and the crow was 95. <laughs> and this was quarter past ten last night after quite a big day, and a big day about to happen on Monday. I was like, "That's fine. We'll, we'll put in the crow. You see what happens. It can't be that bad." How um, bad was it? Well, it was ten minutes of her saying how bad it was, and ten minutes of me kind of falling asleep. Is this the one with Edward Furlong? No. Okay. That must this be... is the one with basically no one. But I was somewhat excited for the first two minutes because it was written by David S. Gower. Oh, Goya. Goya, yeah. Who went on to team up with Christopher Nolan and yeah. do very he amazing is, he things. Does like, he's just like the Dark Knight um, trilogy yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also wrote a lot of garbage, though, apparently. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's I, like when I see Frank Darabont, I'm like, oh man, he did like all this stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, he also does a couple of things that's not great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even Pearl Jam recorded Whale Song. So um, I chose to sleep. I think we got Fair maybe enough. 15 minutes in and I went, you know what? It just feels so good falling asleep. Yeah. Like yeah. this isn't worth me fighting it. All right. So let's get on to the, the, the big ones. Um, I'm going to start with Frighteners because I know that you're going to tear out the pieces because you're a piece of shit. Am so. I? Yeah. Well, you gave it you gave it two and a half stars. I, I Did I? I thought I gave it two. Feel two, yeah. Um, <laughs> and look, I think um, f- this is what we talked about this the other week too. Um, this one, I think, I gave like a lot of nostalgia to. Like, it's not. It's, it's it is almost like in those ways that I was saying about how people say Reanimated is like a good film because they relate it to their time watching it on VHS in the eighties, and it's like it's 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 a it's a special time to them. The yeah. Frighteners to me um, is the same sort of thing. Like the Frighteners when it was on TV, like the next day at school, we'd always be talking about it because it's like it's it's a fun movie. Like it's it's not one that you want to go pop in like over and over and over again. Laura put this up there with Beetlejuice for her. Like she watched it that much growing up. She has yeah. that sort of connection with it. I had not seen it until she watched it for a Halloween challenge, maybe last year. Right. So I don't I don't hate it. Um, I don't know why Michael J. Fox is not a great actor sometimes in it. Uh, and I, I, I know he's... she said this was like his last leading role. I think. Yeah, he. This um, is like this probably starting to struggle. I love, I, I love also how they kind of, <laughs> they really make it sound like they're in America, but that is New Zealand <laughs> through and through. <laughs> if like, it's not New Zealand, it is Vancouver. So yeah. I don't know where you're supposed to be. Um, but if you've never seen it, yeah, uh, Mark J. Fox plays a um an architect, but he can he can um. He can talk to dead people. He can talk to do- to ghosts, and he basically gets them to haunt places, and then he gets the money for it. Um, but uh, then comes along this, like I really like the 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 ghoul that is taking people's. Like we find out that it's like a serial killer, but like the 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 cloaked figure, like is looks really cool. Like yeah, I, I used to freak me out, especially the bit in the um the bathroom. I always remember that like from the trailer when it comes through the mirror to grab that guy's heart. Yeah. Um. The effects but, uh, are pretty decent. I'll give it that. I really want to see. Apparently, there's like one of the best making ofs. Because one thing about Peter Jackson, who directed it, who would his next movie would be, I think, King Kong. Surely no. not. No, no. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, sorry. The next thing you'd do would probably be like Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah, probably, maybe. But like, I, I, the reason I brought King Kong was like I remember when you weren't working in the video store then, were you? It was 2004. No. So. We got like heaps and heaps of um, like he brought out a complete DVD before King Kong came out of just him the, the making of it. Like he's really into showing how everything's made. Um, and apparently there's a there's a three and a half hour making of of the Frighteners that is really hard to find. But I would love to like I love all that that sort of crap. So if I'm, I'm trying to find there's like there's like bits of it on YouTube that you can watch. Um, but yeah, I really I would really love to get like a copy of that at some point. Uh, let's talk about Courage Under Fire. Did you watch yeah, that? Yeah, I did not. Um, but you, you're actually, a big, you're a big fan of this. <laughs> look, it's one of those films again. We've we've spoken many times of when you watch a film as a kid and you're like, wow, that was really cool. I like that because I don't know what quality is. But you know, it was, it was <laughs> oh, like look, I said before. It's a few good men for dummies, is it not? I um yeah, I I was not looking like I I'm not a big Gulf War film. I don't really like it. I, don't really like I didn't even know which 
war it was about. Just the, the, the reasons behind the war were like a little less noble. Yeah. Um, so like I don't find watching movies about it as as interesting. But if anyone's going to bring my interest into it, it's going to be Denzel Washington. And he is great in this. Um, it is a really good story about... I mean, it kind of touches Meg on... Ryan in it as well? Yep, it kind of touches on like yeah. gender gender politics in, in, in war. Um, because Lou Diamond Phillips is in it and basically doesn't really respect Meg Ryan as a, as a, as a leader. Um, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's based on that, um, whole different perspectives of one event, um, which was started like back in the sixties with that Rashomon, like Japanese film. And it's like from, so he, like Denzel Washington's asking all these people, like what happened like for this down chopper? Why were people left behind and like what actually happened? And he's getting all these different stories. Um, mostly um, from this one guy uh, that was played by Matt Damon, who, uh, he finds out is also um, now uh, he's uh, addicted to heroin and um, got post-traumatic stress disorder. I don't remember that part as a kid. <laughs> shooting up between his toes, yeah. Um, oh. Lou Diamond Phillips um, is... Uh, he has also got PTSD. One of the um, other people in there can't walk. Like It's, it's like it's like there's all, a lot of people sort of... This one event sort of really sort of affected a bunch of people. Um, it did pull me away because uh, Dr. Kelso from Scrubs plays Meg Ryan's dad. <laughs> and I love him as an actor, but like he's not any, he's Dr. Kelso. So, like, when. Yeah. He's also too small to be uh, dead. Sure. Yeah. And also, in the, in, at, the, at the end, when they're doing like some, like, they're doing like a ceremony to sort of posthumously give, give a medal to Meg Ryan, he's wearing the biggest fuck off cowboy hat that you have ever seen. <laughs> and I cannot not look at it. Um, even my wife, quite... my wife just went, wow, that's a hat. <laughs> how, how, why does Meg Ryan die? What happened? Do you know? So like, it's all about how, like, so there's this, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a group of soldiers, platoon of soldiers, um, sort of, they're trapped in the desert. Meg Ryan is, is in a medevac um, chopper and she's, she's going to, to rescue them. But there's a, um, there's a bunch of Iraqi soldiers shooting at them. So they uh, they fight back against these um, the, the Iraqis, but the um, the chopper goes down, and they're in the wreckage overnight. And then uh, a bunch of things, a bunch of stuff happens. Like one one version is that from Matt Damon is that she's a bad badass that basically was like telling people to like don't oh, yeah. don't 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 fall apart. We will get through this. We gotta wait. Yeah. Then Lou Diamond Phillips's version of it is that she started crying and she 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 froze up. She locked up and she couldn't she she didn't have the yeah the means to do okay. it. I remember um, now. Yeah. So like, there's a, there's a bunch of different versions. So like, and I'm not gonna give away like you know the, the bits and pieces because it's it's actually a genuinely riveting movie to watch. Um, hey. So yeah, I I was I was I was very impressed with it. So um, good on you. Can I give a run through of what I was still somewhat impressed with? Yes. Uh, there was a film called Phenomenon. <laughs> and it starred a guy with a really big face. I watched this all last night. You know what? I, I said to you at the start, I'm not loving it. I, you did. It turned, I was, I was, turn me around. Okay. I didn't want to put any pressure on, but I was hoping. It does go for those mid-90s dramas. I feel like they think, well, if it's going to be like a drama heartfelt film, we have to be more than two hours. No, you do not. (laughs) 
the the runtime wasn't the issue with me. My issue was that it's a little hallmarky. Of course, it is. Like a little bit too hallmarky, um, but more so than it usually is. Like it's it's a really weird vibe. Like it's in those sort of nondescript Californian town that like everyone knows each other and it's, it's a, like it's a dark Hollywood town. That's what it was. It is, yeah, yeah, and like, but everyone still has like the means to you know, own houses and sort of not do too much during the days so that allows them to sort of follow this miracle guy around. And um, they, they all have jobs where they can just do favors for each other and not need money. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. it's kind of like a cult. Um, my also, my biggest thing is like, um, if you've never seen the movie, Phenomenon is about a movie where, where um, <laughs> uh, John Travolta's celebrating his 37th <laughs> birthday. <laughs> hey, he looks younger than I do. He was 42. Also, <laughs> his name is George Malley, okay? I don't know if they said his name off enough in the movie for you to remember it, <laughs> but his name is George Malley. Um, and he goes outside and he sees a, a shining light that, um, and then sort of falls to the ground. And then after that, uh, he has the ability to like read, to basically sap in inf- information. And like, he's really he smart. I don't think he sleeps. No. They don't my really issue, say that my, he's not sleeping at all, but they hint yeah. at the fact that he just does not, which w- would kill you. Which my biggest, my, my my biggest thing is that I know to make him seem really smart later in the film, there was some build up, but they make him look like a like they they make him look real dumb, <laughs> like and just the amount of people who's like George Malley's smart, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was he was just a town mechanic. No, he was all le- he knew was, was cars. No, that he was, was he was he was basically set up as like the town dunce. Like the amount of times it was like, oh, you're reading two or three books a day. Like, wh- what are you doing? Like, you're George Malley. You're an idiot. Yeah, but no one reads two or three a day. Of course, that's bad. No, I think they were really mean to him at the start. Kara Sedgwick was like the best thing about this whole thing. I I I, I never have a problem with Kara Sedgwick. I I, ha- I have a problem with the fact that he's super smart, but he thinks it's a good idea to buy all of the chairs she makes to win her over. That's creepy. Any book you read, that's a creepy thing to do. Yeah, she makes these like chairs out of uh, like wicker branches and stuff like that, and they're really terrible. And he, he also he also tries to set sorry um he tries to set up Forrest Whitaker with a nanny, but sets mm. it up so he's going to hit on her. So he's essentially renting a girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. She's Portuguese. What the hell? <laughs> oh, man. Um, Forrest Whitaker doing... He's he's actually... Plays the same role as he does in Good Morning Vietnam. Like, he's just this like happy-go-lucky, like, dude. Um, the, the start he has of some his, history like, 90s... that they never really go into. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. They kind of dance around it a little bit. It's like, did he murder his wife? <laughs> and he's obsession with Diana Ross. And he's... Yeah. On the radio all the time. It makes me think that this 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 was a community that was being watched by people. It's a Truman Show because they all had like yeah like they were like sort of um, mental issues. Um, I did way too much of a deep dive to find out whether that was because um, Robert Duvall plays the Doctor, and at the start of the movie, he tells George to look up at his window. And then it says, happy birthday, George, on the blinds. And he pulls up the blinds and then he moons him. And I'm like, yeah, is that Robert DeVal's bum? <laughs> and I went through, I, I was like trying to find interviews <laughs> and all sorts. And then I was like, today's my day off. I shouldn't be doing this. Ah, <laughs> I, so shouldn't, no? I shouldn't have the Google search, uh, Robert DeVal moon <laughs> phenomenon 1996. 
<laughs> That's a whole different kind of search. Really. <laughs> I, know, um, I know a lot more about Rob Duvall now. <laughs> I do have... Uh, look, I do like the film. It did get me. I was, it was did not... You, uh, if you don't cry in this, you're a fucking robot. Well, look, it was... I had some news that day. Um, I'll tell you about later. But I thought, yeah. I need to watch this film at some point this weekend. And that news that I've got isn't going away. So, you know, just add to the sadness now. Why not? But it really bothered me when that snooty brain surgeon comes along at the end and he's really against the science of it. Mm. So in the film, he's getting smarter and smarter and he's like, at this book fair, I'm going to stand in a stall and people can just ask me questions because I'm so smart. There's a bit of a like mansplaining white savior thing going on. I know that it's a bit cliche to be saying it, but it kind of is. He's like, people want to learn from me. They can ask me stuff because I've read all these books and they have it and I'm great. And then this doctor comes along. He's like, we want to take your living brain and study it and learn from it. He's like, no, but it's me. It's like, well, no, it's the tumor's done this. He's like, no, 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 no. It's not the tumor. I'm super smart and it's I have energy. a life and I'm going to go and die in a bed instead. And also, like, I mean, I can't stand like, I will say, can I just say, maybe yes. one of the best death scenes ever. I don't remember a, him dying like that. I thought he a walked bit, up into the bushes. Like, <laughs> there's a bit where um, he's lying in bed with Kara Cedric. Spoiler alert. And they're looking at each other and then he goes, it's happening. I can feel it. And I'm like, oh, that destroyed me. I'm like, yeah. I've no, like, and my wife said afterwards, after we like, you know, cried into each other's arms. <laughs> um like she's like, I've never seen that portrayed in a movie before. Like I've never seen someone say like, you know, there's always that sort of like they just drift away. But he's like, he's so clinical now. He's like, it's happening. I'll see you later. Well, like that tumor develops his brain so much that he's so aware of. Like he recognizes when an earthquake is about to happen. Yeah. Like his his body is so aware of everything that yeah, it makes sense that he would go like, oh okay, it it's about to stop. Um. And it should be really cheesy and dumb and just be kind of funny and not yeah. that heart-wrenching. But the way that she is in that moment as well. Yeah. Yeah, that was really rough. But then also, like, the, the one funny thing is that he's lying on her arm. And I'm like, fuck, I would have moved, moved my arm before he died on her. Literally dead Because there's going to be an awkward, like, okay. <laughs> going to get my arm out from under him. Sort of thing, yeah. So. Um. The and Good soundtrack too. That yeah, yeah. Um the soundtrack's exactly what you'd think it would be. Did you <laughs> that hear that Eric Clapton song that I can fuck off? I, can't, I hate that song. Yeah. That one with Babyface. Um that thing with the trees moving, that's to like me and my wife were talking about it afterwards. So yeah. like that's to signify that he's part of the energy now. Yeah, like he explained with the apple, when you you eat it, you become it becomes a part of you. When you go back to the earth, you become part of yeah, so when she's rocking in the chair and he's like, the tree's like mimicking it, he's like, that's me seeing yeah. sort of thing. That's fucking amazing. Yes, it's actually, it's it's really good. And yeah. even better, when he first does his little telekinesis and moves the pen and Robert Duval's noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Glorious. <Ooh. laughs> Very Robert days Duvall, of thunder. Yeah, Robert Duval, like is weird in that movie. And I, can, I always think he looks like Mary Giuliani. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I'm like, Hopefully not as gross. Yeah, no, I don't think he is. Um, also, if there's any Mean Girls listening, a shout out, uh, one of the tests he does with the FBI. And he's like, if this guy is alive, how old is he? 
Yeah. Um, the man is born October 3rd. Nice. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to end on Independence Day. Of course. Um, <laughs> look. Tell me tell me how much you loved Kingpin because I was obsessed. This was a Tommy boy for me growing up. I was obsessed with this film. I, was li- this, I watched this at the end of a uh, rough day of work and this is exactly what I needed. And I laughed probably more than I should have. Um, at stuff I probably shouldn't have laughed at, but I fucking found it funny. The bit where he throws up the toilet is just gold. Um, there is a couple of like, because it's like a Farrelly Brothers movie, and well, that's, a couple... that's part of my problem. I think that they directed it, but they didn't write it. No. And once I knew that, I could really see that it wasn't their writing. It wasn't. As but there's a couple. Funny of, there's a couple like little like the like just the bit. There's a bit where so if you've never seen the movie, Willie Harrelson plays like a bowler who gets in with um. Bill Murray, and they go. They they basically try and grift um, local, like these small towns, um, in in these bowling matches. He gets caught, and they feed his hand into the ball return, <laughs> and he has like a uh, fake hand. Um, and Bill Murray's ring though, just his hand. Yeah, and then um, it's also in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It is, yeah. Uh, and then he finds he, he he's it, so now in, in present day he's like a guy that like, um tries to sort of sell stuff he's he's not he's basically got no job he just goes yeah. around to bowling alleys he tries to sell stuff to people that no one wants but he sees this young amish dude uh played by randy quaid um who's like really good at um bowling so he tries to convince him to play this this uh this um match in las vegas where he can win a million dollars and then you find out that the Amish community that, that Randy Quaid lives in kind of need, they need $500,000. So like they're, they're trying to sort of win this money. It's sort of, a, it's, it basically like they both, he, like he doesn't know that uh, Woody Harrelson's kind of exploiting him, but like, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a bit where they're in the, in the Amish community when he's trying to convince them to do it. And um, <laughs> Randy Quaid is playing with a bunch of kids. And he they 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 stolen his hat and they throw it away and this this other lady comes up and gives it to him and then this kid just punches him square in the balls <laughs> and I rewound that about three times <laughs> and that's that's the Farrelly brother shit that I fucking love is this like this random kid who just punches this guy in the dick and it's just great and the perfect background music at the same time oh, how about the what is with Farrelly brothers and like my music is this it's all yeah. it's all Paul Rock it's great. Yeah. It's it's like Dumb Blues and Dumber Traveler outtakes. ends his movie. <laughs> it's basically the songs that didn't make it onto Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I, I found I found it really fun. I did find it like twenty minutes too long. Like it is this there's there's, there's there's a portion in the middle there. Yeah. Um, it's but... nice how quickly it gets to present day. Like, yeah. I think that makes the fun, the fun. Yeah. At the start, like it gets it going a bit more, but then it kind of dies out. It takes a bit longer. Um, I almost think that they don't kind of need. Not that I'm saying that like. Don't you need... take Vanessa Angel out of it? <laughs> they kind of don't need her, man. Yes, they do. That whole. Because then you don't have the sheep joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that whole storyline like takes up a big chunk of it, and then like there's no real redeemable thing that happens with her. Like I the... don't know why they get together at the end. That's just silly. Yeah, yeah. He's gross. Um, also, how has he not learned? When you're putting on a jacket, put the hand on over the hook first. That's just silly. Um, there's just a couple of like there's like some real subtle stuff in here that's just funny. Um, 
I love the I I love that both both Bill Murray's and Woody Harrelson's hair at the end. How they just it's just fluffy in the breeze. It's amazing. Yeah, it's gross. Um, their their s- diner scene um was an obsession <laughs> when they first meet up and they go and eat and he's just stuffing his mouth and trying to talk at the same time. <laughs> he's, he's like, like go finish that outside. outside. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking at this. He's like, "Hey, how you doing? Not you." Hey, <laughs> I always love that bit, and it's I know it's 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 so gross because Bill Murray is so disgusting, but it's um, so funny. That bit used to be I, don't, I can't review on the video store, but there was a bit where I think something came out with the Farrelly brothers, and like you know on our, our loop tapes, they used to um sometimes if like a movie came out of a certain director or something like that, they would show like a bunch of clips from their their previous movies, and I remember that seeing that like hey how you doing not you that playing over and over and over again and i, I just I'd, can't I'd be yeah. okay with that um but yeah it's it's it was good uh, i i found it really funny i think the next one that they do is oh, fuck what it be surely not me myself and irene i reckon it is gotta be something before that nah i reckon me myself and Irene. yeah we'll find out um right. but a segue to the next film the mechanic that hooks them up because he finds sugar in his gas tank um, was in Independence Day. Yes, as it was Randy Quaid. Yes. Oh yeah. Looking I guess he a was lot, looking a lot older than he did in uh, <laughs> in uh, Kingpin. Um, look, I believe my review sums it up. Like, I know this movie's trash, but I fucking love it. I, I do went... need to say something before I know you'll say it. Did he it? is not Beige <laughs> Pullman. He is Bill Pullman. And he is a nice man, and he is a good actor. I love... The... <laughs> I like Bill Pullman. I always find it funny that... <laughs> and I don't know whether it was like... They just didn't cut or something like that. There's a bit at the end where he's about to do his big speech. And he talks into the mic. He's like, hello? Oh. <laughs> and he turns it on. He's like, hello. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> and it's just, I always found it really weird that they left that in. Um... Look, it's just, I remember being in the crowd in probably not opening weekend, but very, very close to it because it was very, very packed. I remember just, I think I saw this twice. I fucking love this movie. It was everything I wanted it to be. Um, when And then I remember being, like there's a, <laughs> the DVD I've got, it's got, uh, I think, 10 minutes extra footage. Um, so it's even longer. Um, yeah. And I love that as well. Um, it's got... Goldblum at his peak. It's got uh, just every bit part act, bit part actor you can think of in the nineties is in this movie. Um, I love. I look. The, I the British guys. Remember them? Who the devil? It was about bloody time. Oh my god, that was awful. Uh, he. <sighs> oh, that British guy cropped up in another movie. Um, yeah, he gets and, around. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. I love that the Brits are friends with the was it Iraq or Iran? Yeah, they're yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Old, they're getting along right now. Old Morse coup. Like they're so British. They are just the most British people who's ever. Been. They should have been drinking tea, sat on Chesterfields. It was ridiculous in a field. That's how British they were. Um, I look. I'm not usually usually a big Will Smith fan. He's fucking great in this movie. Um, I love. It's half an hour before you see him. Yeah, it's ridiculous. There's five storylines going on in this film in the first 15 minutes. And that's what I love about Emmerich movies. 
Too is much. that they look and like a lot of people don't like that about no, Roland Emmerich. They don't like it. What's happening? Um, as much as and who is that? Roland Emmerich. Are they going to die soon? What's happening? Um, who's that character? But that's why I like Daft. <laughs> that's why I like Daft Tomorrow. That's why I like. Um, I even like. I will even watch Twenty Twelve. Like it's just. Do you like Crash? What? Do you like Crash? Is Crash a Roland Emmerich movie? It's a, it's a movie where there's too many storylines. No, but that's too serious. You need you need the wacky ones in this one. Um, you need the wacky ones that have tentacles, just like in the thing. Oh man, exactly like the thing. Just flailing Release around. Release me. <laughs> did you hear yeah. the X Files comment at the start as well? Yep. Yep. Did nice you hear? Did you did you hear Harvey Feinstein? David. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love him. I know. And that that joke that he makes of he's like, I gotta kill my mother. I gotta kill my um, landlord. I gotta call my lawyer. Ah, forget about my lawyer. It's like it's I, such a weird joke. Yeah, but it I was. still give it to him because it's Harvey Feinstein, and he can say whatever he wants. I can't believe they killed him. Oh crap! <laughs> I, I thought that was a bit harsh. Uh, that whole thing, and like, um, I watched the, the the one the one thing that elevated this for me is I watched it with my son for the first time, and he was just like. He was he was like impressed because like all of the movies I've, I show him he's like uh, it's not as good as the ones I watch these days because like you know effects and stuff. The effects was, are pretty good. Most of them. I was breaking down like the White House thing for him and I was like look at this like like that bit where it's like a bit where you see the fire going out in Los Angeles like from the inside out and it's just like pulverizing everything in its in its path. Yeah, it looks amazing. The miniatures are funny but good. Yeah, um, they're, they're not bad. Did you tell your son that? Even if you marry a stripper or a dancer, you can still fly a space shuttle. Yeah, it's fine. And he also yeah. he really he really liked the bit where Harry Connick Jr. looks like he was um, proposing to Will Smith. Um, <laughs> Who wouldn't? And he like he was like he was all, all into it because he's like, oh, Mal- Ian Malcolm's in this. I'm like, yeah, Doctor Malcolm's in this from Jurassic Park. So yeah, this is a good time. Um, before we move on, I have to address the. Uh... <laughs> The elephant in the room. The movie that I have not done a rating for is A Time to Kill. And the reason I haven't oh, done yeah. a rating for it yeah, is because... It. No, no, I finished it. Uh, did you watch it? No, I did not. It was now 149 minutes. Okay. So, have you ever seen this movie before? I don't think so. Okay. I get it confused with Double Jeopardy and Eye for an Eye and Along Came a Spider. Okay. A Time to Kill is a movie about... Uh, it's about... Just end it there. <laughs> It's about um, um, this town in Mississippi where it's so racist. And like, I was reading a lot about the comments about it and it's like, they were like, they basically made this place like the most inhabitable place on earth for um, for African-Americans, like uh, for, for black people. It's like, there is just like white racist in the street, just like, and I, it could have been what it was at the time. I'm not sure. Like I was trying to sort of work out like whether this is, and it's it's directed by Joel Shoemaker, who is not the most subtle of directors. Um, so Samuel Jackson's daughter is uh, raped and attempted, and like they actually attempt to, to hang her um, yeah. at the start and at the start of this movie, and they show way too much. I actually fast forwarded it, and I I have to say that if anyone. I'm not saying if you've been throughout the experience at all, and I'm sorry if you have, but like, it is confronting. It is a trigger warning because I did not like watching it, and I've I've read a lot of comments on Letterboxd who like one person unfortunately went into like a complete fucking state. Like they actually had to shut off the movie and then get 
not hospitalized, but they were like they they recounted this story of like this movie really did trigger them. So be very very careful. So like the two guys, like the the girl doesn't die. So and she she gives a description of the guys, and they get picked up um, at a local bar. Samuel uh, Jackson finds out, and he goes goes to um, go back home to his family, and they're guilty. Like they basically one of them even confesses to the crime. Uh, so uh, we're also introduced to Matthew McConaughey who is a um, lawyer, who a defense attorney who um, is not getting a lot of practice, like a lot of, lot of um, clients at his practice. Um, his mentor is Donald Sutherland. Um, and he's also best friends with Oliver Platt, who plays like a sleazy divorce lawyer. Um, there's a lot of people in this movie. Do, do you love Oliver Platt though? Is he... He's, he's, he's charmingly funny. He, and he calls, he, calls, um, Always. he calls Matthew McConaughey a presumptuous little shit, and I love it. Samuel Jackson goes to see... Um, Matthew McConaughey, like um, before, a couple of days before these, uh, the trial's about to start, or the, the the sentencing is about to start, and he basically says to him, like, I feel like I'm going to do something. I feel like I should do something. I don't think that these I th- sometimes these people get away with it. And Ashley Judd plays Matthew McConaughey's wife. She says, "You should 100% go tell the sheriff what um, Samuel Jackson said to you, because like he's going to do something. You've got you've got to." It's actually. He's, he's actually mandated to do this. He should have said, said something to him, but whatever. So Samuel Jackson goes to the courthouse the night before. He get, he puts himself in a cupboard um, waiting for the the um, two guys to walk through. And when they come through, he shoots them like on the stairs of the courthouse and also injures um, the cop that's with him, who was played by... Um, I will see him. Chris Cooper. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, so yeah. He, like, there's just everyone's in this movie. We haven't seen much of him yet. Oh, he's coming. Um, okay. He basically, and Samuel Jackson says to him before, before he's like, oh, if, if I get into a jam, you, you're going to help me out. And Matthew McConaughey's like, yeah, yeah, sure. So like, he basically calls Matthew McConaughey's like, oh, look, I'm in a jam. You have to help me out. Um, I want to get off on reason of insanity. And Matthew McConaughey's like, okay, cool. Let's do that. So he becomes his lawyer. Um, and it's this, it's, it goes into this hobby thing. Keith Sutherland plays the brother of one of the um, men that Samuel Jackson kills. He... <laughs> Is the most despicable, despicable, like racist, like like. Apparently, um, people started to question whether he was like that in real life because he played he played the part so well. He is horrible in this movie. He I mean, goes. It kind, to, it kind of makes sense if that would be true. Yeah, he goes to um, he goes to Kurtwood Smith, uh, Red Foreman, <laughs> from that seventy show because nice. he is the uh, Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan in the nearby county, and they he says. Uh, we should get the clan down there to uh, make sure that like uh, um, this Samuel Jackson doesn't get off. Um, can you sign up six or seven of your friends, and we'll, we'll I'll make you like the 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 Grand Dragon. It's 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 so stupid. Like, and I, I, I was reading a couple of comments too, and it made me feel better about it because there's some bits where you fucking laugh about how stupid racists are, and you don't know whether it's like. Joel Shoemaker doing that on purpose or whether he like there's actually people who think like this and say these things because <laughs> who says that they're oh. the grand track of the Klux Klan? Maybe it that's the official so, term. It is so stupid. Um, so yeah, there's like it basically st- uh, spills over into violence. Um, Sandra Bullock rocks up. She's from Boston. She's like a, she wants to be Matthew McConaughey's researcher because oh, no. she's she um, doing a Boston accent again. Please no, no, she's not. No, oh, good. Um, 
she so she she works with um she keeps wanting to work with uh Matthew McConaughey and he keeps saying like no nah, no nah, I don't I don't need any help um and then she's actually she helps him out during the trial a couple of times while this is going on they're burning crosses on his lawn they're trying to blow up his house he sends his wife and kid away because it's too dangerous but then him and Sandra Bullock starts to sort of get a little bit too close um really unnecessary like uh relationship in the middle of all this turmoil um. And it's like his wife did nothing wrong. Like it's just it, it made me so mad that he was like, on top of all this, I put you in danger. I've kind of lied to you, and now I'm gonna potentially have an affair with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> and it's just like you're not, and you're not a good man. And then Sandra Bullock and Matthew McConaughey have this conversation where she's like, "Oh, so um, you're not for the death penalty?" And he's like, "Yeah, I am." And he, he basically comes out and he's like, "He's he's not a liberal. He's like he's like a far right. He's not far right, but he's like." his politics are very old school and he's like, which doesn't really sort of match up with what he's trying to do. He's like, he's saying that the girls who rate the, the guy, the guys who are the girl should have got the death penalty. So that's what Samuel Jackson did to them. Um, and that's what he believes in. But then he's trying to get Samuel Jackson off on an insanity plea. So he doesn't get the, the, the death penalty <laughs> for doing, for murdering someone. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Does it doesn't it? make any sense. Like the, the 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 politics of this movie is is like all over the place. It's really weird. And then at the end, he does this like look like the, it's a it's a very and it's also a very sweaty movie. Everyone's sweaty to the point that like well, it's in the south, right? Well, that's the one the point that like apparently John Grisham, who wrote the novels, said to like in an interview, um, uh, Joel Schumacher knows that we got air conditioning in the south. Yeah. Um, so outside, you don't. <laughs> so. Uh, there's a very famous uh, speech that Matthew McConaughey does at the end of this movie. And um, if you watch nothing else, watch that because it is really well acted and it's a really, really powerful speech. And Samuel Jackson gets off. He gets, he's, 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 he's <laughs> he gets acquitted. He gets acquitted. Um, and the, the Kiefer Sutherland are like get arrested and the clan sort of gets shut down and lots of stuff. And then the last scene is Samuel Jackson. Because Samuel Jackson has, at one point says to Matthew McConaughey, he's like, you're just like them. You're like, you're a racist. You don't mean to be, but you're brought up racist. Like we don't, we don't, we don't uh, hang out together. You don't come to my part of the town. So the very last scene in the movie is Matthew McConaughey coming to <laughs> the party to celebrate Samuel Jackson getting off, and he comes and brings like some food, and he's like, "Oh look, see, I am, I am fine. I'm, I'm, I'm nice. Now we can hang out." <laughs> and it's just a really weird, gross end point for the movie i always had a problem with that because it's just like oh it's okay if as long as like you do all of that um and bring a bring a bring a plate of food to a place it's like you're not racist anymore it's like how, how many times have you seen this i've seen this a lot of i i watched this a bit when i was younger i used to be on tv quite a lot um and i hadn't seen it for a very long time and watching it this time i didn't complete like, i used to i used to like this movie and now i'm like i don't like it anymore because it's not like it's not portrayed in a way that it should be portrayed. It's just really weird and very nineties and very like it's it's the most nineties movie I've seen for a while because like it's so closed minded and thinks it's doing such a good job and patting itself on the back over and over and over again, but it just misses the point so entirely that it's frustrating. Oh, so that's yeah. that's that's Bye. my glad i did not watch it it sounds like you're not going to rate it very well 
Yeah, I think I'm going to give it one. Nice. Oh, what a beautiful way to end our films. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. But, like, it's just... I I just felt like I needed to uh, to really sort of say that because there was a time there, like, you, you've got Mississippi, Mississippi Burning does it a lot better. But you've got... Um, coming up soon, you've got another White Saviour film with uh, Alec Baldwin called The Ghost of Mississippi, which I used to love, and I'm thinking uh, if I watch yeah. that. It's got James Woods in it. Um, I reckon if I'm gonna <laughs> if I watch that, I'm gonna be um, also not happy with it. But it's just it's like you know what they're trying to do, and like they must have felt so good about it. But it's yeah. just I don't know. I, on on a happy ending, uh, we did both watch a film where Will Smith punches an alien in the face, and then not uses one, but two catchphrases. Welcome to Earth. Welcome to Earth, and that's what I call a close encounter. Oh, yeah. That's, he does, yeah. Double, also, double another, bands, the catchphrase. Another weirdly pro-smoking film. Yeah. There's a lot to yeah. do with cigars in that film. Yep. And um, <laughs> I will say, the, sorry, the, at the end of Independence Day, it always bothered bother me that Bill Pullman couldn't give Jeff Goldblum a bit more than, like, not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> Uh, just just guys being dudes, you know? Yeah. I don't like how quickly of... they went on from uh, the first lady dying. Oh, yeah. Because that was very, very sad, but it was like, she's dead, we're going to go. Yeah, what are you going to do? Phenomenon style. Um, again, yeah. I could have done it. We could have done it. I, ne- I nearly wanted that to be the episode we did with um, our friend Craig, because I reckon that would have been fun. Nah. But um, that's all right. No Sean Curry uh, impersonations in that episode. I'm going to do Jeff Goldblum. Um, US box office was uh, Independence Day was number one, of course. The Nutty Professor was number two. That movie took... People didn't know. <laughs> Phenomenon was number three. Nice. Hunchback to Notre Dame was number four. And Eraser was number five. Man, if you man, go into the movies and it's like, I'm going to see Independence Day and I'm going to see Eraser. <clears throat> Yeah. All right, let's move on to TV. Uh, There's only one show that came out, and that was The Daily Show, but it's a very important show. I remember watching this for a long time. Um, I don't don't know if it's actually airing. It used to air in in Australia on on ABC, but it's, it's not the only thing that's on anymore. Um, is, is this the John Stewart Daily Show? It's the John Stewart, yeah. It didn't start okay. with John Stewart, but um, it, it eventually got. To, I think he took over in '97 or '98, and then that would also help launch careers of like Steve Carell, Steve, Stephen Colbert, John Oliver, um, Samantha Bee. Um, it's just it was what was needed at the time because again in these '90s, like everyone, no one really wanted to take on Clinton. If you were like on the Democrat sort of side, if you were liberal, because like, you know, you don't want to sort of seem like you were against him sort of thing. But they, this, these, like, whoever was in office, The Daily Show would take him to task and did it well. So very much appreciated that one being around. There should be more of that. Yes. Um, but that's all the TV that I have um, to, to cover. So um, I also love the theme, the theme song for The Daily Show is amazing. Um, I'll put it up on the uh, Instagram. Let's move on to we're big Conan O'Brien fans here. Still. Still. And um every week we do we go through all the guests that were on 
Kona Ryan. Were there many on this one? Because with the Olympics on, I wouldn't have thought there was that many guests. Well, I, I wasn't going to say what, what happened. I was just going to let you give me 60 seconds and enjoy All myself. right, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. If you come back with like no names, then... <laughs> All right, <laughs> so we do, it, we do it to the tune of um, uh, our Lord and Saviour's William Joel, um, who is just amazing. Is he? <laughs> he He's is. got three good songs. He does. I was listening to him today. I've, I've, I've put, him some, put, put some of his songs into my daily playlist of stuff I play in the mornings, and it's, it's, it, when it comes on, I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> here which, it is. Which of his four hits did you put on there? Shut up. All right, um, let's go. Uh, and we, so it's called uh, the River of Guests. We do it to the, to the tune of River of Dreams. Um, I'm gonna give you a th- countdown from five, and then you can right. tell me the guests that were on Conan O'Brien. Um, <sighs> not looking forward to this. Five, four, three, two, one. July nine was Mav Albert and Jean Renault. Alejandra Escovido, July 10 with George Foreman, Marlon Maples, Trump and Finn Brothers, July 11 says TBA, July 12 with Jim Fowler, Andrew Go- Robert Laguia, July 16 is Margaret Collin, Jonathan Katz, Rebecca Pigeon, Pigeon? July 17 the Kevin Neal and please don't me go, July 18 <laughs> Gerald Rivera, Mark Kwan and David Shaw, July 19 Andy Without, Ewan Bremer, Jim, oh, Jill Sibeli. Is that it? How is it? Anime Down must have been talking about phenomenon. No. About multiplicity, uh, sorry. Oh god, you hope not. Yeah, now she'll be uh, Apparently we had eight episodes in July. Wow. Mm. Still gonna still... one of them I don't know why it says TBA. Still, uh, still made it, still pushed it out to thirty seconds, which is. <laughs> I tried. I put, I put the dates in there. I thought that would. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'll dig it. Push it out a little. I, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing my best for you. All right, let's move on to music. So on the RA charts, it was still uh, Fuji La. Uh, well, no, it's not Fuji La. It's actually Fuji's with Killing Me Softly. But Fuji La should have been up there because it's an awesome song. Um, Billboard charts, Bone Thugs and Harmony of the Crossroads were still up there. But then it got knocked off by um, California Love by Tupac. Nice. Um, someone should use those as a thing. And your um, uh, Let It Flow by Tony Braxton. So good on it. Not as where, where's uh, I break my heart. That's, I think that wasn't that for a movie. Who cares? It's great. Yeah, but like I think it comes that it might come up a bit later on when yeah. that movie comes out. Um, there's a lot of releases. Um, I did not listen to all of them. Um, Me I've, either. The, the, this this time around, I'm really, and I know that like, obviously, I should listen to everything. I should try and listen to everything, but it's very impossible. It's just so much. So I tend to sort of just pick the ones out. Like I, I give it a, a sort of a, a bit of a, 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 a random and then I sort of pick out the ones that I think that I'm going to listen more to. So the ones I really um, focused on were Dealer Soul, Sponge, um, Ween, Tonic, Jimmy Eat World, The Black Crows, Fiona Apple, A Tribe Called Quest, Sublime, Alice in Chains, uh, You Are My and Cub. You listen to Ween? Well, because I heard... So this is one of those things. Um, so it's an album of them doing country songs. And it's fine because they're not being Ween. And oh, okay. This, I didn't know this that. Is, but this, is, this, will, this will come up a few times. I, and I'm like... I'll, 
I say it comes up a few times, but I can't actually think of another um, example at the moment. But like, you know those albums that some bands would bring out as like sort of as a bit of a joke, but then they're actually really good. Like, it's um no. Oh, so like, I mean, I can't, I can't like the music anyway. But like, the Super Suckers came out with a country album, and it's like a really, really good album. And you're like, well, maybe you should just do that because <laughs> like, it's it's a bit more sort of palatable. Like, so with with Wayne, listening to this, you wouldn't think that this is the like the little daisies guys like you would just think that they're like yeah. a, just a decent sort of folky country band and then you're like how does that tour go of like doing these songs and then like busting into the other stuff that they do um unless unless they do a, a bronx style and just keep it separate that's like the other mariachi thing as well it's like, so i don't i don't like the bronx yeah. but i love mariachi love bronx like yeah, I like, heaps I was, of people are like that yeah i listen to that so it's just that thing of like you know it's that weird thing of like sometimes when they're like, um, oh, we're just trying it as a bit of a laugh. It's like, no, no, you should keep doing that because it's better than the, the usual stuff. <laughs> Maybe you should get in the comment section and, and say it. Nope. Um, <laughs> get an army behind you. Uh, so Stakes is High by Dilla Soul was really good. Um, uh, I, there is a song in there called Down Syndrome and I don't know if it's... I was trying to like check out the lyrics uh, and I'm like, it's kind of a bit odd. Um, Maybe just leave that alone. Um uh, Wax Estate by Sponge was pretty good. I, I don't, I've been listening to more and more Sponge. Like they're, they're really good. I think I've, they, they, they like quite a lot. They released a, a single in 2011 called The Hits. Yes. Um, and it had two songs from, from the previous album, obviously, and the song Wax Ecstatic, which does not stack up to Plowed or was it Sweet 16 or something? 16 Candles? Yeah, yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was all right. It, uh, yeah, didn't stand out for me. Um, I what was tonic? <laughs> I thought tonic. Okay, there's a lot of artists on here I'd never heard of, and I just I thought I tonic didn't, didn't try. Was that band that did the? Um, that's that's that song. Um, it sounds like, and I and I break out the bands. Here and now, really ever. That song, I can't remember. I think it's Filter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that yeah, Filter? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think another one. All that. All that yeah. What's that? Yeah, I, that song. I, I'm pretty sure Laura was talking about that song yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. she could probably, she probably knows the lyrics and not just doing like a bit of a whatever I was just doing. Um, <laughs> Scott Stapp. <laughs> Here and now. Did she, I bet, did she like the lead singer? I bet she did. Uh, I don't know. I, it's we the conversation is usually just around that one song that yep. they've got. We, we don't get what's into that. The, what's the, Shimmer? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, Shimmer's yeah. in the yeah, okay, cool. Jimmy World, uh, fantastic. Yeah, I have not listened to hardly any Jimmy World because I used to hear that song in the middle and go, meh. Um, to them, it just sounded like. To me, it just sounded like pop punk. Like I thought they were in the same sort of thing of like Blink One Eight Two, like new Blink One Eight Two, and 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 um, yeah, Good Charlotte and all that stuff. I thought they were like sort of that sort of that new um, pop punk no, sort of stuff. They are straight up college rock. They uh, there's a lot. They're a bit more layered than I thought they were. Like they are punk. There's like most of it is punk, but like yeah. it's it's got it's, they've got a couple of different album songs there too. Yeah, it's not a great album, but it's pretty good for what is essentially a first go there's some good stuff on there i think it's i think it was it was more pleasantly surprised because i was like ah oh, i don't <laughs> better not be the middle 
Oh, it's not the middle. Okay, cool. I um, went back to this when um, I think after we, the first time we saw them. Yeah. And was pleasantly surprised with how decent it is. Yeah. I like them. They're good kids. Yeah. And then I. What else do I. Black Crows didn't have Remedy or Remedy Part 2, so it was okay. <clears throat> yeah, at its moments. The guy's got a good voice. It's a good band. I remember I bought yeah. that CD um, on the strength of Remedy, and I'm like, this is not Remedy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sublime was kind of cool. It was very long. Um, yeah. We should talk... Oh, okay, so this will actually segue quite nicely. So we should talk about... Alison Chains unplugged, and also state that like Alison Chains would play this this um, month would play their very last show ever with Lane Staley before um, he would pass away in a few years' time. Um, Which I think, sadly, I think it was opening for Kiss. Yes, yeah, it was a horrible way to end. Yeah, they were they were one of the bands in there. Um, yeah. Not enough good stuff can be said about like even to the point that like for the unplugged performances. Nirvana's is obviously great. One of the best ones ever. Pearl Jam's was um, great because it was a little bit more frenetic. Like they were really, I don't think they really knew yet how They to, weren't huge at the time. They didn't, but also they didn't know how to acoustic, acoustic their songs. They basically just played their songs acoustically. You, you don't really have a choice when Dave Abrazese is your drummer because he's going to go like a fucking rabbit anyway. So yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but then, Alice in Chains, when you listen to this one, they have changed the songs to incorporate the acoustic versions. Like they they are these are acoustic versions of their songs. They're not their songs played acoustically. If you well, as as you and I and I'm sure every listener would know, they dabbled in this stuff with their EPs. Yeah, yeah. Like so some of these they... songs sound exactly like they did a recording. Some of them are very, very different, but yeah, this isn't you to Alice in Chains. No, like this fit them perfectly, and they nailed every aspect of it. And you can you can watch um, like the performances like really cool. Like he, I I have I did sort of read some behind the scenes stuff. Like some of them they had to do like I think there's one song they had to do like five times because for the for the cameras because they kept fucking it up. I can't remember which one it is. Um, they probably did it on purpose. <laughs> probably. Um, because this one, even like, I mean, I, and I really like the Stone Temple Pilots Unplugged as well, because they kind of changed a few things up for that one. But this one, um, whenever they replay this one on ABC, I always try to like uh, tape or at least watch it, because I just, I never got to see Alice in Chains live. Mm-hmm. And I was, big, I was, I wasn't a huge fan, but like, you know, I, I, I like this, this stuff. And when I was watching this stuff, like, I remember thinking, I've never seen a singer or an artist at that to that point that looked exactly how I think you would feel seeing these songs in that way of like he was like he was a drug addict. He was like he was he was dealing yeah. with some demons and stuff like that. Yeah. But even I think like Kurt kind of put a sheen on a bit. Like he looked so quiet and reserved up there like until he started singing and he had like this 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 bright sort of pink hair but he had these sunglasses on. And he looked in pain, and I just felt—I felt like when I, when you watch Alison Chains unplugged, it's so genuine, and that's why—that's why I really like it. Yeah. Um, um, 
and it's still all that aside like it's still kind of fun as well like you hear them have a little joke and yeah yeah that's they make like, comments i think metallica yeah. were in the front row and they made fun of them yeah <laughs> that's really cool um it's how i learned how to play wood on bass because i think at that point i had you're obsessed with that song still to this day it's a fucking great song it's it is again. yeah um the the song choices as well uh, are so good my new favorite is killers me fucking love that song it's so good um, uh, i i don't even know if i could brother da- see the one that got me hooked initially was down in a hole yeah when i got dirt down in a hole was my song so i kind of overdone it but it fits so well in here um but nutshell heaven beside the guitar and heaven beside you oh man got and me i wrong. think like anyone who anyone who wants a crash course in how to harmonize like two completely different singing styles fucking hell like this is that takes them take them to school i know it's not for everyone but uh, i wish it was because it's it's so good yeah it's a really really talented group but it's uh i mean they're, they're going still now um and it's good they've changed up they took a long break you know respectful more so than some other bands have been when they lost members i think <clears throat> but it doesn't it doesn't quite have the same but you know why why deny someone you know their love like this is obviously what jerry's great at doing this takes us to lane um they had their last show and then he was hospitalized though, i always think he was in the 90s but he yeah he was he was around to 2002 yeah he um recluse basically i always this. i also heard like how he was yeah it's it's really shocking if you want to look into that i don't i don't um on the flip side of that uh grunge slowly going into the night was wannabe was released by the spice girls and you know this you can't say it's not a catchy song look no and speaking of catchy songs republic is ready to go (laughs) how good is that did you listen to it yeah but it's like it's hard to not just think of the ads that i've heard it on too the ads, the soundtracks, just oh, the radio, man. it's everywhere. It was a great tune. Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, title by Fiona Apple. Um, I had a I had a really, I had a really weird experience. Um, if you'll indulge me. I will. Um so I um I hadn't listened to Fiona Apple for quite some time. Um because like the first time I listened to the album, like I was uh with someone that we know and um who's not around anymore, but like I like when when I, I listened to this the other like it was on the weekend, and I forgot I kind of forgot that it was on there. Like I like I was I was playing through the entire uh, my selections from July, and then and then um, it starts it starts with "Sleep to Dream" is the first track, um, and I swear, and you know me, I'm a shaniac. Yes, but. I remember, like my my visceral memory of listening to this for the first time was in a house um, that my friend was living at with a couple of um, people, and it was like it constantly just smelt like um, incense. Like they used to burn incense all the time, um, and I swear that I smelt it when Sleep to Dream came on. Like I swear, and I know it, I know it couldn't have. I can I know it didn't happen, but like, for some reason, like there was some sort of sensory thing that happened where I could smell that smell when 
when Sleep to Dream came on. And but I, I don't, like, I don't know if that's uh, if this is playing it down. But if you have a specific memory of something, then your brain would surely, you know, pull at other memories that connect to it. Yeah, I'm sure that's what would happen. Yeah, but it's just yeah. I, I don't think I've had something that visceral happen to me for quite some time. And um, yeah, so like I listen to it, and it's like it's it's hard to listen to because like yeah, it's obviously it's like there's um a lot of sort of memories in there. Um, also, I mean, <laughs> I remember now. I don't want to get. I don't want to sully that memory with something something gross. But I fell in <laughs> love with Fiona Apple after watching the criminal clip because, like, she wasn't like your usual sort of singer. Like, that clip is is quite a thing. Like, she's in water a lot and she's <laughs> not in many clothes a lot. And oh, like, I, I was just like, I um, like, so I knew that I knew criminal. I knew that's that's the only song I knew from that album. And then I actually first like when I first probably listened to it, it was like yeah, like when I was in my like early twenties. But yeah, um. But yeah, I love this album. It's it's good. Like I I probably like, um, the next one a little bit more. Yeah, when the when the porn um in 1999 when the porn hits is like, that's, uh, yeah that that'll get that'll get really really big. But um yeah, this one uh is just she's. I saw a clip from her just recently. Um, she was on, <laughs> she was on, Leno. And I don't know, I don't know. It's one of those things that came up on Instagram. But she was on, on Leno, and Leno was like saying that she, uh, she has uh, the. <laughs> he's like, oh, you get the, you get the, uh, uh, um, you're like a shy girl. You're, you're a bit shy. And she's yeah. like, and she says, no, I'm not shy. I just have tact. And I'm, yes. a, I'm a big believer of saying, if, if I've got nothing to say, then I'm just gonna, not gonna I'm not gonna say anything. But if I, and when I, if I do have something to say, I'll think about it first. So I'm not shy. I just have tact. And then Leno is cuts back to Leno, and Leno's like, you know, just had his soul ripped out of his body in live TV. <laughs> and it's it's fucking amazing. Which did not happen often enough. No, no. Um, but yeah, she's really good. Like she's yeah. Um, this album's great. Um, Shelly Boxer is just uh, one of the best songs ever written. Um, I don't know. Were you a fan? Um, yeah, I was. It did not get me as much as i thought it would or i didn't cling to it as much as i thought it would but i hadn't heard it before yeah that i know of um but yeah it, it's really good she is really good and i'm i'm probably gonna be listening to a bit more of her in the future now that i've i've started like it's she's always kind of been around yeah but i haven't really delved into it as much there's a but band yeah, she... also on here called Cub um, from Canada. We've had, we've had one of their albums on before. Um, this one I really just got in. Like, I don't know what it was like. I was playing Xbox or something and I just came on. And I listened to the entire album and then put it back on again. It was just really, really good. The album's called Box of Hair. Um, Nico Case is in them. Um, who will go on Who's to that? have like... Uh, she'd, have, she'd, become, she'd become like a, a um, solo um, artist um, in the 2000s. But yeah, this is where <laughs> she sort of first... And like they... Um, a lot of people they're one of those underground bands that like a lot of people have like covered their songs or their songs have appeared on stuff like um, they might they might be giants um, cover cover one of their songs um, but yeah if you ever get a chance Cub and I think they've actually released a couple of things in the last couple of years uh, it was just really nice to they and they <laughs> they have a they have a genre of music that they've called um, cuddlecore 
which I've got the, up, <laughs> the utmost uh, respect for. So anyone that says that they're in Cuddlecore, I'm I'm all in. So yeah, Cub Box of Hair is a really really good album to listen to. Um, Beat Rhythm and Life by A Tropical Quest was also really good. Um, I didn't listen to Friends Were Wrong because I don't like them, but sort of, <laughs> this this album yeah. would have the song that would break through because it's the song called Punch in the Face. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Was there anything else that I've, that we haven't covered? Uh, no, that's, I mean, like I didn't listen to heaps of it. I tried. Um, yeah. I'll be honest. I didn't even listen to Alice in Chains because I know it like the back of my hand. I did try out <laughs> Cub. It was all right. Um, yeah. I, like I said at the start, if I didn't know them, I didn't listen to it. Neil Young, um, the Broken Arrow album is not on Spotify. So it's on Apple. I, well, I'm not there. <laughs> um all right so let's get let's uh let's do our top so top movie what do you reckon what was it gonna be well i'm pretty sure that yours has to be independence day does it not yeah it's independence day <laughs> um i came into this month thinking that it's just kingpin there was no question yeah um but it's but phenomenal. <laughs> it's, it's phenomenal it's you know what it's not that far off it, i could have I almost think that if I watched Phenomenon first, I might have like been a bit more blown away. I kind of don't want to like it as much as I do because, you know, it's stupid. The issues within the film, <laughs> eventually, um, it is stupid. It's John Travolta, but yeah, it's just don't take it too seriously. But like, um, yeah, I, I, it's 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 very nice. It's a very yeah. it's like a it's a very nice movie to watch. Like he's like it is a hallmark film, like you said, but it it ticks off the hallmarkness really really well. And you know, you know, it could kind of kill me to say it, but like you back to back this one with Field of Dreams, you got yourself an afternoon. So you'll be don't a, back to back it with Michael though. Yep. Much. <laughs> yeah, also, this is, this is not the this is not the Angel one. Um, Broken Arrow with uh, John Travolta not too long ago. Now yeah. Phenomenon, and then Michael is coming. Yeah, we had, did we have Get Shorty this year as well? Travolta now is last year. Travolta last year. Yeah, this is he's he does some weird stuff. And we had and we had um, most of the time. We had Quaid Town. This one, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of double ups going on. Um, now my Which, album, um, it's Fiona. Is it? Surely it's Fiona. It doesn't sound like there's any question. Well, uh, no, I, I, I will say that I like um, I like a lot of songs, but this is not my favorite favorite Fiona album. Um, mm. But I'm gonna put Shadow Boxer as my song because Shadow Boxer is brilliant. Um, but I'm gonna give it to Cub because Cub just made me feel very happy. And it's got cuddlecore, <laughs> and, and I'm just glad that that's part of my um my let's come now. Um, I, I could have given it to Alice in Chains, like I like that's it's up there too, and like maybe one of those songs will will creep into one of my tops at the end of the the, the year. But I think it will. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna give it to Cub because I know I like I like some fresh blood. Yeah, and they were here recently, I think, and we didn't go. Awesome. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Um, my album was almost Jimmy Eat World. Yep. Um, and then I forgot because I hadn't listened to Alice Chase at all. <laughs> but that was an option. Um, so it has to be Alice Chase because it's quite possibly going to be in my top ten this year or top five. Who who knows? We'll see. Um, yeah, there's not really a lot on there that I did not enjoy listening to, except Angry Chair, obviously. Um, what? And my... Angry Chair is just a boring song. Uh, it's not. Well, get on look, your knees and pray, boy. 
I'm not going to speak ill of those no longer around, but Jerry writes a better song. That's all I will say. Okay. Um, and my song is going to Robot Factory by Jimmy Eat World. Nice. Because it's, it's a good one. I don't. We didn't play any songs um, through our microphones. I'm sure people love when we do that. But um, <laughs> check out Robot Factory and Shadowboxer. Yeah. There's some good ones. Um. So yeah, uh, we um, we I think we we're supposed to put uh, we, we're trying we're trying to do the rock episode, um, but that's we've had some scheduling stuffs going up, so it is coming. It's just coming somewhat late in the season. Um, we're also going to try and uh, get Shannon Malling back to do our uh, 1996 music episode, so our charts episode. So yes. we'll have to get into that. Um, but um, yeah. Get in touch with us at uh, livingthepastpod at gmail.com. Uh, check us out on Instagram. And uh, yeah, uh, listen to Shadowboxer and have a little cry. Listen, yeah. listen to Shadowboxer and Phenomenon. And then <laughs> <laughs> you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll see everyone later. Good night. Thanks for listening to Living in the Past. Music by Antigold. Check out his stuff at antigold.bangamp.com. Artwork by Carly Kagenbin. Check out her stuff at carlykagenbin.design on Instagram. Or email her, carlykagenbin at hotmail.com. Do you like the X-Files? Check out our other podcast, Do You Think I'm Spooky? Available on all podcast platforms. Like what you're hearing? Give us a faster review and a comment on Apple, Spotify, or Chartable. Stay cosy, look back, and relax. We'll see you later.